0: Welcome to Fundraising Forward. I'm Brittany Schaff, your host of this podcast and the Vice President of Fundraising and Marketing at Graduate, the leading provider of career services, admissions, alumni relations, and fundraising software. On this episode of Fundraising Forward, we are speaking to Mo Cotton Kelly, who is the Vice President of Alumni Relations, Marketing, Communications, and Annual Giving at the University of Connecticut Foundation. Mo, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, pleasure to be here.
0: Before we get started, let's talk about your title. (laughs) Sure. It is very long, my friend.
1: It is incredibly long, incredibly long. Um, It's an evolution, I think is uh, kind of where we're going. Uh, I came to UConn seven years ago, excuse me, specifically uh, to uh, run the Alumni Association and then over the course of those seven years have really been afforded an opportunity to um, take in communications and marketing. And then most recently as of January 2021, um, taking in annual giving. And I really see that there's a connection to all of those three. So I'm thankful that uh, I've been afforded the opportunity to kind of really put all three of these departments um, together under my purview. Um,
0: I completely understand the evolution. I think that's quite interesting that it's evolved to the point that it is today speaking of evolutions, I know that you and I've talked previously about the shift in higher education and the evolution of fundraising and higher education. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you've joined me today to kind of talk about people, process, and technology and the shift in higher education fundraising. So perhaps another th- three-peat here. Um, yeah. In your experience, and we can just jump right into it if it's okay. Um, sure. you know, when you talk about process, and going global, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you and the Yukon Foundation?
1: It means a couple of things. You know, I've been very uh, upfront about the fact that, you know, higher education is a business. I know that um, for purists, that's like really hard for people to understand, but we are um, the Yukon Foundation. We are a business. Uh, we're a separate entity We're you know, we have all of those components of a business And going global, I mean, I'm trying to really find those kind of silver linings of the pandemic, Uh, and we've been able to engage people that we wouldn't normally engage in leveraging. I know we'll talk about technology later, but really leveraging technology to benefit that global, um, what we call our Yukon Nation, right? Yukon Nation is global. Um, And so we have really had to think of different ways to stand up programming to engage those folks and really think about you know, I beyond. I mean, you know, we're sitting in this pandemic, things are gonna kind of shift out a little later fall for us, um, but that process of really digging into that technology and leveraging it and seeing it as a business tool to help us do our work has been kind of the shift that we've been really digging into here at UConn.
0: I'm assuming just like many of us in, in higher education, Uh, the pandemic has caused, um, or maybe expedited that shift, right? So how have you all shifted the process to engage and fundraise uh, over the last 18 months? And how are you looking at either continuing or adjusting that model over the next 18 months?
1: Well, I think, you know, a couple of things, just on a smaller fundraising level, being okay with not meeting in person. I think, again, even that whole physical nature of, building relationships that we really pride ourselves on and that anyone in the fundraising engagement business is doing is that physical like hey face-to-face and digging into zoom meetings and and being okay with texting i mean you know a couple of years ago if you would have said text you know send a text to someone and ask them what they're giving I, i would i even myself would be horrified like oh that's not actually professional but really thinking about even the different generations texting, Zoom meetings, quick hits, uh, all of those things have really helped us continue to move forward um, in raising money for the university and engaging our alums and donors. And I love that we're able to do that because ironically, I think it takes a little um, of the formality out of fundraising and the stiffness of it is what I would say and really allowing to respond to our alumni and donors quickly, get information to them, not be afraid to share a link um, as opposed to you know physically handing them a paper or any of those pieces. So you know we've shifted so much and, and it's, it's been shifting our thinking and realizing that it's okay. Like we were tiptoeing into this space pre-pandemic where I know a lot of our peers were and the pandemic forced us to get there. And so we had to shift our comfortableness with not physically being in, you know, the same space space as our one million donors.
0: How do you, how have you gauged the impact of your engagement during the course of
1: this pandemic? A couple of ways. You know, when we kind of started this whole conversation about standing up, you know, virtual programming and engagement activities, we tracked all along. You know, who came to events, where they were from. We tracked first time donors. Uh, you know, first time. Donors after events, all of those things. But what we really saw the uptick in is really that global reach, and and even and actually the national reach. You know, we built our, as most organizations, our engagement and our fundraising activities around where there were the most alumni, right? So those highly dense areas, highly populated, big city markets. If you kind of look at the map, and we were okay with that moving forward because. We would send people there. They were big. They were, you know, accessible. But we missed a whole bunch of people in the middle of the country, um, farther west in the country, up north, and really were able to tap into tracking literally where everyone is from. And more importantly, where those, you know, those some of those folks nationally and more importantly, internationally, we've now tapped into 24 countries. We would never be able to do that. Um, in an in-person model and so we are intentionally tracking those alums who have now first time engaged with us their region of location and are they staying with us and that's really going to be the work for the future because no one's budgets are going to suddenly blossom and you're going to be able to fly around the world uh, to engage alums and so we'll have to rethink you know what the regional strategy is there And, and so that's how we're kind of gauging it is who are those new folks, who who dropped off, right? Um, Who only likes in person, who has stepped up in the virtual space and um, what that will look like as we begin to program out for fiscal 22.
0: a lot of that is based on approach, right? How are you approaching people um, with technology and strategy globally? How are you also meeting individuals where they're at based on cause or interest, um, especially during uh, the last 18 months, coupled with the pandemic and other things that have occurred here in the United States. Um, How how is UConn addressing cause-based giving?
1: A couple of ways. Again, late to the game. Um, Should have been doing this work because I think some of this cause-based giving you know, has a really big DEI lens, right? Like you're looking at inclusion, equity and diversity, social justice issues, climate. Um, and to be honest, our students are the ones that are kind of pushing us even further in that respect. Uh, but how we're meeting people where they're at is really leveraging some really great things that are happening at the university. Um, we are really, again, being thoughtful and intentional about representation even. I mean, again, these are things that we should have been doing all along. And we did them in pockets. However, there's just no excuse to not really meet our constituents where they're at. And some of the programming that we've been doing, both programming we've developed internally from the alumni office, but even more importantly, leveraging the incredible work that our university is doing and pushing that not only out for um, participation, but also communication and marketing. Like Here's what's happening at the university as they answer the call for social justice reform, breaking down systematic racism. You know, Our UConn-Reads was all about climate change. You know, How are we navigating this with Earth Day? So we're really lifting up great things that are happening at university and being more intentional in putting those out there because to be honest with you, I don't know if we were doing all the right things before. We were doing some really great things, but the social justice piece, again, um, wasn't at the forefront and, and now it's at the forefront and will stay there.
0: And it sounds like your your goal then is to scale and have cause-based giving year-round rather than just focusing in traditionally on like, say, a giving day.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think we want to be really nimble. I talk about, you know, I've instituted a Gumby principle working here um, at the foundation, and it's about that ability to be flexible and nimble. And as you know, higher education, higher education is not nimble nor flexible, um, and we weren't nimble and flexible either in kind of some of the way that we did our giving. And we know that our constituents respond to the time at hand. Right. Yes, we will always do a giving day. We had great success this year, but we want to be nimble and responsive to those constituents who are like, hey, I just heard this. I just saw this. How do I give? How can I show my support? So absolutely using it, um, crowdfunding in particular as a tool year round and not just for one day a year.
0: Well, I think that's a good transition to the tech part of a conversation then. And, you know, you know me really well. This is (laughs) this is going to be a a really nice conversation for for me um, just on the tech itself. But, you know, curious minds here, how has how has UConn used technology to engage more and convert donors more, especially over the last year? And do you have any lessons uh, learned that you can share with our audience?
1: Sure. Well, I think, again, we tapped into a space, uh, you know, I'll, I, w- I will take giving day because it was one of those pieces that, you know, when the pandemic hit, uh, we did not do our giving day. Um, it was going to be launched in April. There were a whole, you know, we just kind of really didn't know where we were. The university had sent students and all of us home. And so we decided not to do it. Um, but what we did do is we did, um, we leveraged, you know, uh for COVID relief, right? So we have a health center and we are really proud of our essential workers. So we lifted up nurses, doctors, we did a request for PPE. Um, So we while we didn't do a giving day specifically, we turned and really answered the call. Um, That was being a little nimble because we were able to kind of gather all those resources with our DOs and with the folks at the medical center to help lift that up. Um, And we saw some really, you know, our alums students and family really stepped up to the need and recognized how they could help us. Um, some of the other pieces that we were doing w- was just even communicating, right? So we launched a, a hub where our alums donors and constituents can jump right in there and see what's going on, both specifically what, what programming aspects of what giving opportunities are there, but also what's going on in the university. Um, we were really trying to make sure that we were almost this one-stop shop um, for our constituents so they would know where things were going, which meant that we had to kind of shift the way we did our focus on our website. Um, We had just launched a new website, uh, which was really helpful. So we were able to be a little more dynamic in that way. Um, And then just using, you know, the technology, the Zoom, you know, features, the webinar um, aspects of it to even engage our volunteers, right? Because our volunteers really are the the bread and butter of our organization. And all of a sudden now, again, not being able to meet with them. So really dove in to not only help connect them to one another, I mean, what a great tool. So now that you have, instead of paying for thousands of dollars to have a, you know, volunteers come and hear kind of top level pieces from the administration and you, we now connected all of our volunteers nationally and some internationally multiple times, You know, once a month, so multiple times a year. Um, and shared this information, got them connected to one another for both great information, networking, and some fun. Um, and so we just really tried to take every aspect of what was available here at the foundation for us and use it in all of our businesses, right? Volunteers, engagement, fundraising together.
0: Yeah, I, I feel as though I have a nice visual of you training volunteers in your home office with you wearing those big beat headphones, just walking around your living room and, you know, giving people updates about UConn.
1: Well, you know, I'm a fan of the beat headphones. Um, but yeah, but I mean, think about, you know, when we do get some point back in person We have, we've connected people now more than ever, right? And so there's that familiarity, you almost feel like family, um, even more so, um, and probably quicker, to be honest with you, through this level of technology that I think, again, we were all a little fearful of, um, to to think that that was gonna be the way of the world where this business is all about relationships, but shifting that that thinking and leveraging the technology to rethink our business, has been a really wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think that the tech is going to naturally adjust in the process? So for instance, if you Mm -hmm. are um, engaging with more volunteers, acquiring more volunteers, do you think then over time, UConn is gonna be able to now track using technology, the impact of volunteers that were acquired during the pandemic and then essentially match back their impact compared to more traditional modeling of volunteerism, how you acquired them in person, et cetera. Sure. And do you believe then you'll start to see maybe a few years down the line, almost a divergent?
1: I think you will. And I, I think, you know, that's the dream, right? I think, again, all the data that we can get to help us make better decisions, right? And so tracking, did we acquire new ones? Did, and did we lose them? I mean, you know, because let's be honest, there are some purists out there who are like, I am going to take a pause until we're back together. So to your point about acquiring, you know, retaining acquiring, right? Um, And moving forward with that, would love to be able to see that impact. And I think there will be a divergent. Um, I just think it's a natural thing. We were already seeing a little of it pre-pandemic, right? Volunteers were saying, I kind of, and that's why we moved to the model that we moved to. Our volunteers and our people are busy. And so we had to even begin to evolve what we were doing previously so that we could actually jump in and allow a volunteer to be in for what they wanted to be in and not feel beholden to be with us for 35 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. So we're definitely that, again, that evolution technology is going to push this even further that way and would love to see what that looks like in a couple of years, because I I just, I feel it, but, you know, um, I need to see it. Uh, happen in real time, and I, I think it will absolutely shift the way we do our work.
0: Speaking of shifting, and you and I've talked about this since we've known each other, but tech and digital marketing—you mm-hmm. know—in in higher ed fundraising, we've we've traditionally been hesitant to use di- traditional, you know, digital marketing tactics, sure. um, search engine marketing, search engine optimization, social media ad placements, etc. Uh, do you think that there is now an open opportunity across the board or maybe just specifically at UConn to use digital marketing tactics as both uh, engagement, let alone donor acquisition channels?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, when you talk about digital ads, like we were, we've, already, we've always been doing some of those, right? And, and, but drilling in more to where it actually, you know, where does it turn the donor or, or, you know, engage the alum? And, you know, social media, there are just... Uh, you know, (laughs) there's so many opportunities um, that we have there that we're already kind of doing, you know, it was interesting because we had someone kind of contact us and talk about, well, you didn't do enough for Earth Day. We're like, yeah, we kind of switched the way that we do it. We didn't really send an email, um, but we did a lot of these, you know, pieces on our social media because that's where people are kind of hitting us all the time. And I think you're going to have to be careful, right, that you don't just jump everything digitally, right? Like that's where... Some of your data, you're going to have to drill down and like look who's looking at what, and what the most um, responsive way to engage those folks, whether it's engaging them for programming or engaging them to donate. Um, I think there's just going to be a, it's kind of like a fork in the road, um, and you're going to have to kind of ride both sides of the fence. But I absolutely think there's opportunity. Um, to do searches and optimization. I mean, I would love to begin to get into that space um, more because it tracks, you know, I always talk about how I wanted our website to feel and how I wanted our work to feel is, you know, kind of like the Amazon experience. Pick up where you left off. Here's what you last looked at. Um, Some of those things people love to be reminded of and digital marketing will help us get there, right? And so they don't kind of forget UConn, um, that it's kind of ever present.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think everyone is trying to understand that kind of "quote Amazon-like" space. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that, from a giving perspective, is quite helpful is if you know your checkout cart, for instance, can remember you. So, you know, right. we're all busy. The kids are screaming in the background. Let's be honest, um, with the dogs yeah. barking at the mail yeah. person. So, <laughs> you know, one of the things I really appreciate about you know, graduate is, we do have checkout cart abandonment features where it does remind you. And I'll be honest, I'm the first to forget to do lots of things on giving forms. So um, it's nice to have that reminder. I, I, I do want to put you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. If you were talking to you 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and you were telling yourself now something about technology, about using technology or, you know, not being scared of it, kind of, what would you tell yourself now? um,
1: To push harder to get into the space, right? Like, I think don't be scared of technology is the the moniker um, that, but, but just, you know, I would have told myself is be more aggressive about where you think things are going and find those groups who are doing it because I think it's also hard until, you know, five, 10, 15 other organizations are using it, is it a thing, right? Like, are you you just chasing the next best thing or are you really chasing something that's sustainable? And I would tell myself to be more aggressive and adamant in demanding that we think about it now, right, or then, right? Because we tiptoed in it, but we didn't really um, jump head first. And as an organization, right, you also have to have, buy-in, right? Like technology does not sit in the alumni space. It sits in our advancement services team. And we have a great VP and she's phenomenal and she's really progressive, but we could have absolutely jumped in and been more adept, but we just were adverse to risk. And I would tell myself, take the risk, Got be okay it. with it.
0: Take the risk, be okay with it. Okay. So we started this conversation by saying people process tech. And for those who are listening, we actually broke apart that. we started with process tech and we, we're actually gonna end with people, um, which we, I think we designed on purpose, Mo. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, but let's talk about this because I know it's a really important issue to, to you. Mm-hmm. How do you think the pandemic has changed and made changes in the profession? When it comes to holding team members accountable for their
1: goals, well, it, it, I think it's actually made us change our goals, right? Like, and, and not change holistically, but I think change the way we view our goals um, and what we define as important. You know, all of us have metrics that we're supposed to, you know. Put out there, obviously. And while we are in the fundraising business and the engagement business, the pandemic has really, it's actually lengthened the work week for one. Um, and I don't believe in a good way. And I think it's now causing all managers, supervisors, whomever, to kind of actually look at goals with a different lens. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think you're now, because of the pandemic, you get to see inside people's homes, right? To your point earlier about card abandonment, like, oh, something comes up and you're out the door. And now you do see really what's happening in people's homes and that goes for not only, you know, obviously staff, but obviously our constituents. And I think that there's a little um, more empathy and recognizing that the work can be done remotely. Again, there's a lot of upside to sitting you know in your home <laughs> there's also some downside there as well and be very thoughtful about that but i think we've been able to think about you know what how are people getting the work done what do those goals look like how do we make sure even that we're folding in the conversation about culture uh, i think we have to make sure that the culture that we're creating also aligns with those goals or vice versa and I, for one, have really been talking about the person, right? Yeah, we have to raise money. I also believe that your culture will absolutely determine a lot of that, right? If your folks understand what their goals are, but recognize that they're able to kind of shift them and mold them, um, there's some pieces there that I love that what the pandemic has shown us. And we're going to think differently about even what. It, engagement goals are right like is it just about the people but what are we doing with the people to put them in the pipeline um do we actually talk about the pipeline and make that a goal or do we just do the end game right so i think it's really um shifting the way that we define our goals and then how do we actually provide the support for the team to reach those goals i just you know I'm always interested in trying to, how do we think a little differently about our business? And I wanna make sure that, again, we're looking far enough ahead to what those accountability measures are. And while the numbers will always be there, there's a lot of things going into those numbers. And should we be focusing on those pieces a little more? I would say yes.
0: When you're talking about goal setting for staff, Mm-hmm. To me, the natural precursor to that is the hiring of staff. <laughs> right. Right. How do you think that we're going to shift moving forward when it comes to talent identification and retention?
1: Ooh, well, <laughs> that's another one of those. Uh, again, being okay with uh, <clears throat> remote work, hybrid work environments, um, looking at, you know, looking at more transferable skills. I mean, let's be honest, you don't go to school to get a degree in alumni engagement or fundraising. Those aren't degrees. Those are, you know, the whole part of our business is about transferable skills. And as you're looking at talent, right? um, And how do you recruit them? You have to also be reflective and representative of the actual groups that you're representing, right? Um, And so I think we have to be able to be okay with looking at, you know, traditionally if you had, if you'd come to me 10 years ago and you had job hops, as they call it, you know, two years, every two years you're doing something. That's a real negative for people um, initially. It's like, oh, can this person cut the weight? And I think we actually have to look at what's happening in the world with how folks are being able to kind of, move around and that the traditional staying at an organization for 30 years is not the norm. It's actually the outlier now and be okay with actually shifting your philosophy on the type of talent, because I think we actually exclude people because they're like, "Eh, they don't stay anywhere long. And to kind of remove that whole precursor about loyalty to an organization. um, But are they really going to help you move the needle and drive success? And thinking about regional work, like, do we actually need everybody in the office? Can we really do some work um, in the regions and that we have identified? You know, we have regional gift officers right now um, who probably come to campus before, the co- before COVID twice a year and seem to be doing okay. So rethinking about how what your team looks like and being okay with it, not being so traditional um, and really going after people in for profits to come work in a nonprofit. Um, and leveraging all of those things that I think for-profits are doing that we're just now catching up with.
0: Talking about transferable skills, what do you think are, you know, the top three um, skill sets that are going to be needed as we shift in higher education fundraising that perhaps we need more of or we don't have um, it at all in in the profession?
1: No, I think a lot of those skills are the same. I mean, you have to have really good communication skills regardless if you're typing a text you still need to know how to spell you need to help you need to know how to write um, so some of those skills i don't think are um, you know new or it, like you, those are basic communication like those skills but you have to be comfortable texting writing you know those are skills that you really have to be speaking Um, and and being comfortable in your own skin, honestly, um, and being confident in the information, I do think we need a lot more information on data. I think people should not be afraid of data, Um, and I think even traditionally in the alumni space, it was kind of this like, oh, we're not all really comfortable with data, whereas obviously fundraising is all about data and metrics, and being okay with that, but not, you know, have paralysis by analysis either, right? Like we still need, yes, we have data, but there's still a human aspect of that. So the skills, I think, an enhancement of understanding data, not being afraid of it, absolutely good communication skills and organization skills. I mean, because we're managing multiple things all over the place. And to be honest with you, um, a little hunger, like, you know, I want the energy. I want the, the people who really want to be here um, and help us move the university forward. So that hunger piece is not an, our passion. Like I wanna be able to feel that. And that's not something that again, you could make up. Like you, if you're coming to work here, you, 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 you want to work here, it's not just a job, it's you. And so elevating that passion to translate into being able to do all of those things, um, communicate, you know, understand data, move things forward.
0: Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had to synthesize this conversation, which was has been fantastic, I have three major takeaways other than the fact that you love beats and what we know. Um,
1: I wish they would tell them. I mean, I wish they'd give me kind of the, I'm not always promoting them.
0: Well, who knows after this podcast? Um, one, cause-based or I'd say interest-based giving is only going to continue to grow. 100%. Two, don't be scared, Permo, of tech. I would, I would also agree with that. Don't be scared of technology. Um, adapt new technology for your evolving needs. And, yeah. last, and lastly, maybe, you know, advancement staff members are the on-ramp at times yeah. to constituents, to your prospects, to your donors. They should not only speak their language in terms of interests, um, but also reflect those interests as well.
1: 100%. I mean, and I think the other part of this, the one uh, key skill is really understanding collaboration and recognizing um, that we are the on-ramp to engagement with your university, your alma mater, um, and that it takes all of us working together, because I want to be able to, like, you're on the on-ramp, you want to do this? Here's the person who's going to take care of you. Um, And so recognizing collaboration and being that on-ramp for your constituents is so important. No one does this alone. We're not an island. Well,
0: Mo, thank you so much for your time. I know that we could have gone on and on and on about this conversation. Um, I hope that our listeners were able to take something away from you. I definitely took way more than those three talking points Mm -hmm. away. Um, For those of you who would like more information about our graduate podcasts or webinars, please go to graduate.com. Mo, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And Mm -hmm. I hope to talk to you soon. And listeners, we will see you next week on Fundraising Forward.